the last few weeks we've been in a series during this Christmas time called Far Greater. John the Baptist said that Jesus was far greater than him and he wasn't even worthy to tie his shoelaces, to tie the straps of his sandals. And that's the attitude we're bringing through Christmas. I've got issues, I've got needs, I've got problems. Jesus is far greater than anything I could throw at him. Anything I could throw at him. My issues aren't powerful enough to even untie Jesus's shoelaces. That's the mindset we're walking through this season with. There, is a, uh, there are a couple things we've looked at and put up next to Jesus and discovered that they are no match and no rival for the Lord. We looked that he is far greater than my past. We looked at the genealogy of Christ. He can take the knots of my past and turn them into a bow. We saw that Jesus is far greater than my questions. And we asked, uh, just like some of the first characters in the Christmas story, the people of the first century asked, is God unfair? Is God uninvolved? And we asked those questions of Christ. And then last week we said, God is greater than my fear. And we looked at the life of King Herod. Today I want to talk to you about how Jesus is far greater than my expectations. Far greater than my expectations. There is a running joke in my family that was born out of a Christmas gift that I gave my parents one year. I love gift gifting. It's uh, one of my love language, languages. And, um, you know, some years I've nailed it, and some years I've totally flopped. But I like to take big swings. Sometimes when you take big swings, you get big misses. Am I right? Some of you have tried some things in your gift giving. That's what I like to do. And, you know, one year... I thought I had the perfect gift for my parents. They lived uh, on top of a hill with woods around them, and each day they would talk to us about the deer that would come out of the tree line and be in their backyard. They even named the deer. One of the deer's name was Elliot. He was their favorite deer, the biggest one. And we'd get bedtime stories for our kids from them about Elliot the deer. Each day we'd get pictures sent to us on phone calls. We'd get our deer updates. How many deer did we see today? Who was in the yard? Which ones? And, uh, and so I thought, you know what? For Christmas this year, I'm going to get my parents some mineral licks and some uh, attachments where you can put those mineral licks onto the trees in their backyard. Perfect gift. Perfect gift. So I give them their gifts. They open them. I'm with them. I'm watching their faces. They open these mineral licks. And as they open them, they kind of look at each other and they look at me and they is. It, it, I could tell it wasn't what they were expecting and what they had imagined. And I thought maybe I have shocked them so deeply. This has blown their minds. I've won Christmas. They love it. Well, they looked at each other. They looked at me and said, what are these? And I said, well, they're mineral licks for deer. Deer like to lick them. And it draws the deer out of the woods and they'll hang out in your backyard. And they said, why did you give us this? And I said, because you love the deer. You love the deer coming in your backyard. And they said, we don't want the deer in our backyard. <laughs> and I said, really? Because it's your whole personality. It's all we talk about. Every day you tell the kids about the deer. They're like, no, we're trying to get the deer to go back into the woods. 
I said, I had no idea. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I misunderstood. And so my Aunt Patty lives in Kentucky, and they sent the mineral licks to my Aunt Patty, who loved putting them out for the deer at her uh, home in Kentucky. And so now our joke is, I put some thought into a gift. I'm going to send it to you. I love you, but if you don't like it, you can send it to Aunt Patty in Kentucky. So um, that was our, our mineral lick joke. And you know, my parents had something in mind. What they got is not what they expected. It's not what they imagined. And it reminds me of the first Christmas when Jesus came. He is not what people were expecting. You know, all of us are looking for what we are longing for. And some of us don't really know at this point what we're longing for out of life. First century Jews understood something about the promise to every soul that every soul could hope for, the arrival of the king coming in glory. When the Messiah was born, he didn't look like what they imagined when they read prophecy in Isaiah 40. When they read about the Davidic king, they thought he would come flexing divine muscles and just smashing every earthly oppression that would put itself up against the Jewish people and their culture. And, and what they got was a baby flexing his human weakness, crying and needing swaddled. He is not what they imagined. John 1 says it this way. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Somebody say recognize. And it says this, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Somebody say receive. But here's the thing. To those who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. first century people had mismanaged their expectations of the coming Messiah. They expected conquest. He brought communion. They expected him to serve the marketplace, to make them all rulers and wealthy, and actually he came to flip their tables and lead true followers into persecution. We can look at the first century people with modern arrogance they expected Jesus to zig, and he zagged on them. Jesus was the zag king. He was always subverting people's expectations. And, and we can think, man, they were so clueless. They didn't get it. We have biblical revelation in hindsight that they didn't have. And so we can look back and, and just say, man, they were, their expectations were so far off. But how many of you know that each and every one of us can have wrong expectations about Jesus. We can expect the arrival of the king in our life to mean healing and wealth, to mean fame, to mean that we will be totally understood, to mean that we will be totally satisfied in this life, to mean that we will be celebrated and will stop living uh, in estrangement from people and with strain and stress on our relationships. We have this partial fulfillment of the promises about Jesus. We've seen him incarnate. We've seen the glory of the Father in him. We saw him uh, go to the cross, but we are waiting to see him glorified. We're waiting to see his kingdom fully established, and we are waiting to see him come in victory. 
Oftentimes, the Holy Spirit doesn't deliver the gifts we expect under the tree. When those gifts aren't under the tree, a veil of unbelief can come over our hearts that gets supported and confirmed by our disappointments. And it's covering the hurt and the brokenness that's on the inside. When we stop looking for him, we stop longing for him. We start living our lives with our heads down, not looking for Jesus, not hoping for Christ, not expecting the one that came with the star in the sky. We start putting our heads down and just living day by day by day. There's a growing problem uh, in our culture, and I suffer from it, and you might as well. It's a big issue right now, and it's called text neck. Have you heard of this, text neck? It's also called forward head posture. And what's happened is we have this 12-pound bowling ball on top of our necks, each and every one of us. And the way our bodies were created is uh, for good posture, for our heads to be centered over our neck. But as technology has come into every part of our culture, a lot of us are leaning forward more and more, looking down. And because we're looking down... What's happening is we're having something called ligament creep happen and extra strain and tension placed on our, upper, on our upper spine, our cervical spine up here. And what happens is that 12 pounds of pressure gets increased 10 pounds by every inch you lean forward. So if you lean forward one inch, that's 22 pounds on your spine. If you lean forward two inches, that's 32, three inches, that's 42. So if you live for hours and hours a day with your head bent forward three to four inches, what you don't know is that deterioration is happening back here and you may get a bulge that happens in the, in the middle of your back. There's degeneration happening to your spine. Now, your chiropractor will give you stretches for this. He'll give you things or, or she'll give you things to counteract that work um, of your cell phone and, and your eyes looking down, your head bent forward. But this happens spiritually. When we stop longing for Jesus, we stop looking for answers in Christ we start to live our lives looking for the answers in ourselves and we just bend our heads down. Jesus is a spiritual chiropractor. He is the one that lifts our heads up and he brings the solution for each and every one of our souls. <clears throat> Psalm 3 says it this way. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Salvation belongs to the Lord, your blessing beyond your people. That word in Hebrew is therumim, and in the end of it, rum, it means lifter or riser or resurrector. Jesus is the one who resurrects my head, who resurrects my gaze, who lifts what has been cast down. So much of the Christmas story happens in the sky. God came down to the shadow of death, to the valley of our brokenness. He came across that separation, that gap and chasm between us and God's glory. He came down incarnate, down to earth, unto us, so that we could know what God is like and so that he could restore us and reconcile us to the Father. That's what Jesus 
came to do. But so much of the Christmas story happens in the sky. The angels are in the sky. The star is in the sky. And God is bidding us lift up your heads. Lift up your heads. I think that while Jesus was not what people imagined, this this baby child being born to two teenagers, he was far more personal and more powerful than what they were expecting. They just wanted a ruler to release them from Rome and establish their authority on the earth. The Jews thought the Davidic kingdom would return and be far greater. They wanted this little box to be checked, but God gave them something far more. This experience of the manger Jesus, of refugee Jesus, of construction worker Jesus, of of an occupied and oppressed people group Jesus, of Jesus who moved across ethnic and cultural and gender barriers to touch people and to share with people. This Jesus who dragged our cross through the streets of his universe. This Jesus wanted relationship. He didn't want to check off a box or cross off a task. He wanted relationship. So he came to be in a family, to grow in a community, to be in a school, to participate in a neighborhood. He came for relationship, to grow and connect. You might be in the room today and you you might say what people at the first Christmas said. I thought God was going to meet me in my need. When I made a box for God to check, what I really did is I I boxed God into one request in my life. I got spiritual tunnel vision. God is bringing us something more than an act of power. Just like Jesus came as a baby, he wants to be with us. He's here for relationship. God has not let us down. God has let us in. He's led us into his presence, into his glory. Ephesians 3.20 says it this way. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. That's the type of God we serve. The word here for infinitely more than we might ask or think is huper, huper ek perisu. And it's a, a, a kind of a word salad there. And there, the reason that there's a repetition is for emphasis. So we have this, this great emphasis in these prepositions and adverbs. And, and what it's saying is glory to God who can accomplish far above, above and beyond abundance in my life. More than I can imagine more than I could even request. The NIV says infinitely more. Another translation says exceeding abundantly above, super abundantly more, far more abundantly. God wants us to know that his capacity for giving is greater than our capacity for asking. God will not let my expectations be his limitations. He makes all things work together for the good of those who love him. He has great plans for you. He has above and beyond peace for you. He has joy that's above and beyond the joy that you've known. That's who God is. My desire for you is for you to take a step of faith to grab a hold of the above and beyond blessings and anointing of Jesus in your life that's only available in relationship. Only available in relationship. If you have a box that got left unchecked, 
and that was a, a big disconnect for you with God. God, my view of you was just to do this one thing I needed. God, just fix this thing. This is what I'm asking of you, God. This is my one request. And, and you said, God, the version of you that I believe in is the God that checks this box, that does this thing. I don't believe in you unless you do this. I can't believe you're a good God unless you do this one thing for me. What I'd ask of you today is to maybe consider to zoom out and say, in eternity, God is gonna accomplish every good thing for me. I'll have a perfect body. I'll have a perfect mind, a perfect soul. I'll know God's glory. Suffering will be gone. Every tear wiped from my eye. No sickness, no death, no pain. Someday in eternity, I'll know the fullness of his blessings. But maybe consider that God's gift to you right now is his present help in suffering. Will there be future glory? Yes, future glory is on its way. But what he promises right now is his present help in suffering. And his presence is more than enough. His presence is far greater than my expectations. His presence contains that exceeding abundance that I need and that you need tonight, this morning. I, I'm, so, uh, I'm so thankful that God will never fail us. Sometimes our expectations fail to live up to God's plan, but God will never fail us. I want to invite you today out of a disappointed life of fantasy about God and into a thrilling life of faith with God. He's ready to meet you, not in some version we've created in our minds of him, not inside of our checklist or our boxes, but he wants relationship with you. Would you stand with me? There's a quote from Diedrich Bonhoeffer that I love about Christmas. It says this, the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who know their souls are troubled, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect and look forward for something greater to come. And I would just, I would just add one word into that quote, who look forward for something far greater to come. Place your anticipation in the joy of Jesus's present help in suffering and his future arrival in glory. There is, there is something to be said of the length that Jesus has gone for you and for me. That this baby came incarnate to lead a civil life. A baby came to be broken for you and for me. And when we consider it, we understand that Jesus went the extra mile before I took my first step. Jesus loves me so extravagantly, and he's waiting to invite me into a relationship that transforms everything about me. Today, I want to invite you into that relationship. All you have to do, it's so simple. It's the, the free gift of salvation. It's free, but it's not cheap. It costs Jesus everything. And it costs us everything. But it's so easy to receive. All you have to do is admit that you're a sinner, you're imperfect, and you can't accomplish the satisfaction of your own sin. You can't pay your debt, you can't pay your ransom. Then place your faith in Jesus. He really came, he really lived, he really died, he really rose again. His Holy Spirit has been sent to really resurrect your soul from the dead so that you can live with the miracle life of Christ inside and choose to follow him, obey his word, his words lay claim 
to more than your excitement or enthusiasm. They lay claim to your obedience. He deserves to be followed. That's all you have to do this morning. And I wanna invite you into this Christmas gift. Would you bow your head with me? Thank you, Jesus, for salvation. Thank you for redemption. Thank you for relationship. Lord, that you came to know us, God, that we could be fully known. Lord, I thank you for every step you took, especially, God, those steps through Jerusalem when they cast the shame and scorn, the guilt and grief of the world on you. Lord, we're thankful today that joy has come, that, that there is peace that rests and goodwill, the favor of God rests on mankind today because your gift is here. Lord, I pray for every person that would take a step today to unwrap that gift, to say, Jesus, I want something more. I don't want to do life my way anymore. I want to do it your way. I receive you, Jesus. Forgive me. Forgive me, God. I'm sorry, and I turn away from all those behaviors, things that maybe were called culturally passed to me, things that somebody else celebrated in my life, but God, they hurt you and they rebelled against you. Lord, I turn from those things and I follow you today. Lord, I thank you for each person that's prayed that prayer and praying that prayer now. Receive them, write their name in your book and welcome them to an eternity with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.